Hello and welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. I am Eric Stoyer and today on the show we have Amy Simons. Uh, Amy Simons is a writer, director, actor, and we had a good conversation about her recent film, She Dies Tomorrow, which came out just a few months ago on VOD. I uh, really liked that movie and I recommend it highly. Uh, Amy wrote it, directed it, uh, self-funded it. She does not star in it, it's about the only thing that she did not do, but she did name the main character Amy and shot a lot of the film at her house, so she's all up in it. Uh, it is a horror movie, but it is the kind of horror movie where if you are someone who cannot deal with horror movies, you'll still be okay with this one. Uh, it's sort of a horror movie where anxiety and existential dread are the monster. Um, Amy is the co-writer and director of uh, the first two seasons of The Girlfriend Experience, the TV show on Stars, based on Steven Soderbergh's movie. And when I talked to Amy, she had just returned from shooting scenes for Soderbergh's upcoming movie, No Sudden Move. Um, so yeah, she's got a lot going on. Just very creative, impressive person. Super nice. I really enjoyed talking to her. Uh, before I close out this intro, I wanted to mention that if you have feedback about our show or ideas for guests, you can hit me up directly at eric at moviemaker.com. Heard from a few people last week, and that was cool. It's nice to know that you are listening. All right, without any further ado, here is Amy Simons. So I read, I read you self-funded the film. Did you set out to finance it that way from the start? I was, was paying for it because I shot it in chunks. And so I was paying for it. And then um, there was one point where I was, I was thinking maybe I'd bring somebody else on to fund it. And then very quickly realized I didn't want to have to answer questions about what it was going to be. <laughs> You know, I wanted to, and, and and I could, and I and I knew I could make it for an amount of money that um I could afford, and so that became, you know, that's what I that's what I went for, um because I could. So it was, the, and it was great because I didn't have to. I could allow it to be what I wanted it to be, and I was the only person that was I was answering to. So, were there specific things that that self funding freed you up to be able to do? Yeah, I mean. You know, when you hear you hear the title and then you hear what like I what what I'm making, like I learned I learned when I was talking to people about maybe financing it, I knew from the outset that I was gonna be playing with genre, you know, and and like and bending genre. And I wanted to meld like sort of comedy, art film, and horror all together with an apocalyptic sort of overtone. But I didn't want it to I didn't, you know, when you talk to people about financing and they're just doing their job, they want it, you know, when they hear the title and they hear like it's sort of an apocalyptic movie and there's a contagious element, they there's there's things that they expect from it, right? And they want a sort of like they want a follow through that like to make it straight genre. And I just didn't want I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to explore it and find something a little more original, you know, and not have the pressure of like having to um the pressure of having to have it fit inside a box, you know? Um, and, and so that, that for me was the best, was it, was the, it allowed me to be a lot more exploratory 
in what I was trying to to sort of get at as as an emotion or a mood and a tone and all of these things. I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it is. It's really really funny. There's some, there's like a few scenes that are they're like really made me laugh out loud. Was uh, was humor really important to you to, to in, in when you were thinking of the the tone of this? Yeah, I mean the subject matter was like about like existential dread and then also um in dealing with like anxiety is like my experience with with sort of uh losing people and then also with my own anxiety and my own existential dread is that like it it, it is aw- it's awful it's overwhelming it's it's terrible to lose somebody it's terrible to have anxiety it's terrible to like fear death but there's also like a there I also have it I always like there's like a gallows humor like I laugh there's the moments that I've laughed the hardest are sort of in the darkest hour because my emotions are so high and the juxtaposition of something sort of absurd happening in such a dark period of time um, becomes quite comical in in, in a very intense way so it it was important to me in exploring this like it it felt dishonest to not include humor in it Um, and also just the, like the it's it's just what a what a cruel joke to us that we're born and that we like that we all die like isn't that just like the cruelest joke of it all the absurdity of like what does this all mean why you know <laughs> like um like that song one of the songs that was inspiring to me is and I've always loved this song and my grandma and I sing it is Peggy Lee's uh is that all there is and and that that to me is sort of the heart of what the movie and I actually played that song because Michelle Rodriguez, when she came to set, knew very little about the movie. And she just was like, okay, cool. One day and I'll jump in. And I, she knew roughly what it was and she was trying to figure out the tone. And so before they, before I shot the scene with her and Olivia Taylor uh, Dudley, uh, I, I played them that Peggy Lee song before they, before they did their first scene. And she's like, I get it. You've got a little crew of, actors that you work with repeatedly on things. How does having a group of people like that, that you're so familiar with affect how you make your work? I mean, there's just a shorthand and, and not only that, especially with, um, you know, with just going back to like the absurdity, like in all of my work, there's like a, a very dark sense of humor and, but it's not, it's, you know, it's, I, I'm not making straight comedies, just like I'm not making straight horror. It's like, so the, the lovely part about having somebody like Caitlin Scheel or Jane Adams or Kentucker Audley is that all of them, because we're friends and because we've worked together, we all have this, um, this, this great sort of sense of humor. There's a lot of laughter on set and everyone sort of understands that it's, that it is like the absurdity of the scenes because we all are, um, you know, like little sarcastic comments here and there that we all pick up on that we that we all understand, you know, the 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 how the scene in a human way as friends and understanding of art, the absurdity and the layers and the, and then also the 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 depths of, um you know, of darkness as well. And you I feel like all, all of us understand each other on a human level and therefore it translates into a shorthand on set because you don't have to like really explain yourself or explain what you're going for. They just know me innately and sort of what I'm looking for. One of the really funny elements of the film to me is that Amy's obsessed with, with sort of being useful in her death in the same way that the trees that died to make her floor and house possible that she wants to be turned into a leather jacket where did that come from 
it's a dark joke, but, um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dark joke, but it's also based in sort of experiencing, I mean, I took care of my dad for a while when he was ill and then, um, had to take care of, you know, the, the funeral services, but, um, there's a very real, um, thing that you face, which is like very crass. Like there's the overwhelming like loss and grief and sort of like, wow, death, what does it mean? Is it, is it finite or does, did they pass on to, you know, there's these bigger ideas of what is, what does death mean? And da, da, da. But then there's the very crass and very real aspect of it where it's like, what do you do with the body? And that was, and this was actually speaking of gallows humor. It's like during that period of time, just because you, you end up making these dark jokes. I was making jokes to my sister and I was like, what if we turn them into fireworks? What if we turn dad into fireworks? You know, and like, and it was funny, but it's also like, why not? You know, why, why are like, why let's make diamonds out of dad. Let's make, you know, and, and it, it's like, you know, and we're laughing about it, but it's also really awful. And you, you have to deal with the remains, right? And, and, um, and so that was sort of where, where I was going with it. It was like, what's the, what's a thing that she could want to be? And it's like kind of crass and, 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 but, but she's very serious about it, which to me is funnier that she's very serious, that she wants to be a leather jacket. Like, and she follows through with it. Like, well, she goes, she tries to follow through with it. And then the reality of what that, you know, the process through which, um, her body would go through is sort of like, Ooh, like that's kind of disgusting, you know? And, um, and, and so, but, and, and so death has all these multi layers, which is like the, the crassness of it. And then also the, the, you know, the swarmy, um, mental state it puts you in to think about like eternity, you know? It had this vibe to me also of her wanting to be like a good citizen, like, 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 like a riff on, on recycling or, or, you know, being uh, just conscientious about what happens with, material in this world yeah like like it's like leaving a legacy in some way and like and being like what's a good like i don't want to be i don't want to be a waste of space essentially like i don't want because like what was the point of this is an untimely death unfortunately and like how but like i want to give back to the world (laughs) like but in a very strange in a very strange way because like who would wear that jacket you know like like this is my father this is my this is my best friend like it's so it's it's not really thought through all the way <laughs> uh may i ask was your uh was your father funny and as as he was dying yes he i mean he he had one of the wit like the the best sense of sense of humor i've, I've ever up until even i mean he was having strokes so he there were there was, you know, he was out of it, but even he, he, he had this very dry sense of humor. So even in like at, at near the end, he was like, even though he was in and out of sleep and in and out of consciousness, he was making these very deadpan jokes, like coming in and out of uh, consciousness. And so, which, which honestly, like, thank God, like he, he, he was so, he sort of taught me like how to be graceful up until the end, you know, and, 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 and be funny as well. Do you like talking about your work, doing interviews like this? You can definitely say no. You know, it's, it's weird. I do. And I don't, and I think I learn a lot about, about the way that I work when I, when I, when I'm forced to talk about it. Um, But it's, it's, it's interesting because it's, 
I, I sometimes I feel like in the, in the movie and in, in, in my work is like I'm constantly trying to get a tone that words that defy words, right? That go beyond words. And so I feel like sometimes contextualizing the work into words is is like I, I'm never quite sure if I'm actually getting to the heart of of how I made it or like what the movie is, you know, because I because I made the movie to go beyond words. And so now I'm talking about it with words, <laughs> if that makes sense. So it's like, I'm not, I'm never quite sure if I actually get to the heart of exactly what I was going for, you know? The immediacy of communication, like the ability to just get a message to someone that you know by text message, uh, you know, social media, those kinds of things. It seems like there's an allegory here for sort of infecting other people just with your bad vibe or your bad news. Is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I, I I noticed that you know, well, yes, the media see the part the part of it of like not, and even in the movie, it's like, and I notice this in myself is is like as opposed to uh, like allowing yourself to sit with anxiety, we have this device, you know, that we can immediately just be like, hey, what's up? Even you know, to like alleviate it as opposed to allowing yourself to like sit with it and then um and and sort of figure it out. Be, be comfortable in your own uncomfortableness is, is something, but also, um, you know, when I noticed when, when I was dealing with anxiety, I was like calling friends and, 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 and they were great. They were wonderful, very supportive, would talk to me about it. And two of those friends that I would call were Caitlin Shield and Jane Adams, um, in real life. And so, <laughs> so, uh, and, but, but I always felt like, when I was talking to them and they never made me feel this way that I was in some way burdening them or spreading the anxiety, you know, in this, and that was like the sort of the personal level. And then I was noticing, you know, like I'm a, I, I'm still guilty of this is like, I'm a sort of a news junkie and, and addicted to the 24 hour news cycle. And every single day there's like something where it's like, it's the end of the world on the left and right, you know? And watching that spread, that like 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 wildfire on the right, left, center, and and the, and then and then the next day, it's like something else. It's like wait, that like the 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 we don't even care that the Michigan governor was going to be kidnapped. Now we're on to like what what happened? There's like some guy at a Trump rally like crowd surfing like <laughs> without a mask on. You know, like there's it's like every single day it feels like, oh my God, well, how much worse can it get? And then it's like, oh my God, it's just, it just keeps going. Right. Um, and, and I just feel like there's a contagious element that sort of reflected the way I was feeling about talking to friends about anxiety and feeling like, oh, I'm passing off this, this thing, but there's also a sick sort of gratification in, in the movie, even though it's, it's, you know, a scary, that, 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 that an idea can be contagious. It's a scary, it's scary, but there is a sick gratification of like, what if I could, you know, again, it's going back to words, which is like, I'm saying in words to a friend trying to describe my anxiety, but it never quite gets to the feeling of it. So like, what if I could just like suddenly take all of this and then I, I could download you with it and you could just feel it. And then we, we wouldn't even need this conversation. You know what I mean? You could just be like, Oh, I know what you're feeling now. And so there's not that I want my friends to like, feel my pain by any means or I wish any like ill will upon somebody it's just how gratifying would it be if it's like I, I don't feel like describing it just feel it real quick and they go oh okay yeah I get it you know I've talked to a few filmmakers recently who said that in uh, in some ways the pandemic uh, has been good for smaller films uh, would you agree 
I think um, for for me, it was, you know, I have no I have no reference for um, what it would have been like to to release the film outside of a pandemic, you know, and because it it was supposed to premiere at South by and then um, I quickly sold it to neon when I, when South by didn't happen. And then, you know, and I thought like the pandemic would be done by now. Um, so, and the fact that it's still going, it's, it's sort of shocking and terrible, but, um, but I think that what, what was inter- what's interesting is, yeah, people are, you know, stuck at home and they're looking for content and there's only, you know, there's only so much content you can you can watch so they are like digging deeper and they are looking for like new titles and so the lot a lot of people who wouldn't necessarily watch like art film or I- independent film or whatever are, are are accessing it now you know whether or not they're enjoying it is one another question but like um but but i think that that's what's interesting is i think that the the smaller films are reaching a lot broader audience because everyone's so hungry for content uh, speaking of staying at home, is is it true that you filmed a good part of the film in your house? It's your house. Yeah, I'm here right now. This is the backyard. I mean, it, I, I've since put other things, but this is the wall. Climbs up. Oh yes, this I is see. the sliding glass door she comes out of. That's the over there. But yes, so this is yeah. I I filmed it in my house. Um, well, and, and mostly, mostly because it was a free location (laughs) and not only that, but it was like, it was also a space that like, again, going back to, I wanted to explore the movie in in a way it was, it was a space that I wasn't going to feel the pressure of if I didn't get something that I wasn't going to be able to come back. And so it felt like um, the smartest thing to do was to set it in most of it in, in this house. And so that we could really like mine the house. And then also obviously the movie is very meta um, mine, the, you know, um, sort of my relationship to the space, like through Kate, Caitlin Shields performance um, is like her, her being sort of a proxy for me in, in sort of my relationship to the house. Is it, is it kind of weird to see your house in a film, even though you made the film? Yeah, I you know what's what's interesting because because of the um because of the pandemic it I, I haven't I haven't been in a communal like um space I mean save like maybe like ten people before South by in a theater it, it's it's a very strange thing because like it doesn't even feel like it happened like I know that it got released I know I'm talking about it but it feels like it didn't really happen. So uh, there's a, there's a sort of a detachment to it where I'm like, oh yeah, I made this thing, but it still feels like it. Cause like for a long time, I called it the secret movie. Um, Cause nobody really knew I was making it. And so it still feels like a secret movie. Like I, I like I'm, I'm continually sort of like, oh, you watched, oh, you saw you, how did you see it? And they're like, it's on Amazon prime. And I'm like, oh, right. Like, so there's like a little bit of a detachment from it. But, um, but no, I mean, and it's, it's, it's interesting because it's like, if I, if and when I sell my house, I'll, I already have like a real estate, um, you know, it, it, I basically shot in every single room. So I can be like, this is what the house, <laughs> maybe that wouldn't be a good idea because it's so strange and scary. But like, now I have, um, you know, a virtual tour of my house for anyone that wants to buy it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite moment in the, mil- in the movie? Um, 
I have, there's like little things that like little surprises, you know, that I wasn't like, like just Jane and Kate are so good at like giving you so many and, and, and all of the cast um, so good at giving you surprises in there. And it's just like, I feel like um, that, that party scene is just, I, I still will watch that. I mean, I don't watch my movie over and over again, but the last time I watched it, um, which was, I don't remember, I don't know, months ago. What, what year is it? When are we out of COVID yet? Um, but, uh, but, uh, that, that party scene and Jane's performance in it is just so spot on and hilarious and terrible and, and like uncomfortable. And like, I feel like that I feel like that person sometimes in like in party situations, you know, um, of like, of, can we talk about something serious and, and, and not, and blah, blah, blah. But, um, I feel like that, that scene in particular is, is maybe one of my, the highlights, um, also one of the most difficult to shoot because they were just laughing the whole time. So you mentioned that it was uh, shot in, in chunks. Was that, was that over years or months? When was it shot? It was over months. Um, but it, you know, that from inception to finishing, it was about a year um, of from the, when I decided to, cause we started, what we started to do is like uh, Jay, the cinematographer and I, I just like called him cause I was developing all this stuff for te- television and it just takes like a long time to develop things. And also, and I, and I really enjoy that. And I really enjoy, you know, the, the structure of sort of straight narrative and, and um and writing for television i do like that but i was sort of like um felt like this is taking too long when am i going to shoot something i'm supposed to be a director but i it's so it's a, it takes so long to get to the point where you're directing like i just want to exercise my you know my abilities and and learn too and so i i called jay and i was like i'm i have to shoot something so it really started um kind of as uh as an experiment of experimenting with lenses and experimenting with performance with Kate and then snowballed into a feature film. And so, so yeah, it was about a year and there were, I don't know. Yeah. Four or five, six chunks of time. There's some, uh, you have interesting lighting in some of the scenes and just was wondering that kind of, flashing blue red how did you how did you achieve that look um with these this the jay had these like um um had these lights that could that had these flickering effects on it and again it was like in the early phases of playing around and again this is what's lovely about having the space to do this you know you can go oh that's a really cool effect and it does something very strange to like like in Kate's face, what it does to her, it's like almost a completely different face, the effect that it has each time it flashes on her. And what was cool is that we, Jay had this really cool light panel that could do that. And I was like, oh, let's use that. Let's find a way to, you know, use that when it, when it was like early on in the development of this. And, uh, and so he can probably talk better about exactly what he was doing, but um, it's a, it's a frequency that we were fine tuning on there. And so we had, one frontal and then um when stuff gets like really crazy after the party then we would like light the the um 
the background in a different strobing pattern. So it's like really chaotic. Um, and then, and then in post, we were able to like fine tune which colors we were seeing with Nat Jenks, who is amazing and does, um, uh, works with Soderberg as well. If you, um, if you had the experience of, of watching it with other people or has it uh, not been a possibility? No, I had it before everything hit, we had some press screenings. Um, I didn't sit through it with them because I thought I was going to have a premiere, you know, and also I, I, even though I'm, I'm not, <laughs> the press is good. Like the critics were great. I know a lot of the people that were watching it and they're awesome, but I sitting in a, like in a, in a press screening is like not the funnest thing for, cause like it's, it's actually quite quiet. Like people like critics and press, like usually don't like vocally respond to stuff, you know, whereas like with a, a regular audience, they'll like laugh out loud. And I sort of wanted to save the experience for when I had like a, just a, you know, an audience that wasn't looking to like critique it or to, you know, review it. Um, but I, I haven't had that. So again, it adds to that, like, did this happen? Like, this, like it, it feels really strange and detached, which maybe on some level is, is healthy. Cause I'm not like obsessing over like, you know, I'm not obsessing over the thing. It's just out in the world, you know? Uh, you mentioned anxiety. Does your anxiety, is it, is it compared for you with dread or is it a different kind of anxiety? It's, it comes, it, 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 I guess dread would be, would be, would be part of it. And I guess with, with dread there, I think I, I said it out loud to somebody is like anxiety for me comes with like, um, the anticipation of something, right. The it's like, it's never, you know, um, a, a, the anticipation of something bad happening, which I guess is what dread is. Right. And so it's like, I, it, it's like, when like panic or or whatever sets in it's like the my brain reeling from like the possibility of what might happen and it, it what they call future tripping so i'll go through like every single scenario in my head and just like and then work myself up into a tizzy right um and and like it's like it's like that that classic thing where where pe people play out fights in their head before a fight actually happens you know and they make it like way worse and then like um, and so, I mean, I've gotten like better at, at not allowing myself, but what part of the, the, the sort of humor in the movie too, is like when I'm going through that inside, it's like, you know, like this, this crazy vibration and feels really chaotic, but like from the outside, if you popped out, which is what we play around with, with the visual language into these wides of showing you what it actually looks like, like you go from the subjective to the objective. So when I'm going through all that stuff, it's like, it feels so awful and chaotic, but if you really were to take a wide shot of me, it'd just be me sitting completely still and silent and like would look like nothing, you know, it just looked like me like spacing out, um, which is what we do with like a lot of, you know, to like pop out and be like, this is what it looks like in reality, even though they feel they're feeling all of these emotions. Uh, my last question. Uh, do you remember the first time, the first movie you saw that, that changed the way you thought about what film could be? I... There's a, there's a, there's many pivots, right? Um, the first one that made me want to do independent film because I, I didn't grow up in like an art family. And so I didn't really, um, I hadn't really been exposed to too much in, or I didn't really understand the concept of in, independent cinema. I just said there were movies, right? And um, I, I mean, save like Brothers McMullen or something like that. And, um, and then I saw, 
uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse. And I think I was like 16, 17. And I was like, yeah. Like, I, I'm like, yeah, that sense of humor is more like my family than any other family drama is, you know, and it made me go, oh, I get it. You can change the like, you don't have to do this, like the Hollywood sort of thing. You can, this is how you, you know, and then I started to get into independent cinema around that age. And then, um, and then I, when I was in school, like seeing like Godard and Boonwell and, and getting exposed to like, to that stuff, um, was was again it's like oh like narratively speaking you you can you can toy with it and it can be surreal it doesn't have to be this like what is it the uh, save the cat sort of structure right um and then and then when i was you know for one of the most important films for me as a woman that i saw when i was in my mid 20s um was barbara Loden's wanda um and that again shaped sort of like oh the the female lead can be bad like a, not bad or she could be irredeemable you know it just gave me permission to like open up how i told stories about women you know and it just gave me permission to go this is interesting and i don't have to be like you know a lot of times you have to have this redeemable woman and it's like no you can just make a story because some most of my favorite movies are like like taxi driver you know it's like that guy that character is so not <laughs> redeemable you know and so, so yeah, so, the, and I feel like I constantly, um, I feel like it, I still see movies and I'm like, oh, like I didn't see it that way. And, it, and I love when I, I, I love when I experience that. And I sometimes get very jealous of movies <laughs> when, when they've done something that I'm like, oh, you changed my perspective and I'm very jealous of you right now. Um, but it's also inspiring. It's like, oh, great. That was what I needed to like get my brain, um, you know, back on track. Hey, thanks for listening to Movie Maker Interviews. You can check us out online at moviemaker.com, where every day we post stories about films, filmmakers, and filmmaking. Uh, you can subscribe to Movie Maker's print magazine, which is pretty darn good, and that is a really good way to support a completely independent media company that's amplifying creative voices from all around the world and doing a darn good job at it. We're on social media because you gotta be, I guess. Uh, it's at Movie Maker Mag. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we appreciate when you do that. We'll be back soon with another episode of Movie Maker Interviews, and we hope you will be there to join us. Until then, take care of yourselves. <laughs>